good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to this episode of The Line to Mastery. In this podcast episode, I am joined by Anthony Rommel. Anthony Rommel is a student of life, balance, and becoming the best that he can be. He owns the Center for Balance Training out in San Diego, California. He has been a personal trainer for almost 20 years now and loves helping people move better and be more functional within their bodies. He holds space for people of all age ranges, from young kids to people in their 80s, and he helps them discover their power that they have in their body and the transformation that they are capable of experiencing. In this conversation, Anthony shares his movement journey from bodybuilding to jujitsu to yoga, slacklining, hand balancing, gymnastics training, and becoming a movement master and student of the game. He shares his views on Instagram as a training journal, developing the habit of showing up, living a meaningful life, being a father, and being consistent in your life. It was an absolute gift to remotely record this podcast with Anthony and to have the opportunity to share this conversation with you. Anthony has been an inspiration for me over the course of the past few years, just watching his Instagram and seeing his methodologies and the ways that he trains and continues to grow, develop, evolve as he gets older. It has been a massive inspiration for me to see what's possible as I get older too and knowing that we are just touching what is possible as human beings and our growth and development doesn't just end when we are in our 20s or our 30s like we can we can go for a really really long time and continue to train and become even greater versions of ourselves as we continue to develop and get older in these human bodies and within this experience Enjoy this episode with Anthony Rommel. I know I sure did dropping in with him. And thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on the podcast. I love you, brother. Just a little life update before we drop into the podcast. I am no longer in Austin right now. I transitioned out to Boulder, Colorado to Highline. Uh, connect with the community out here and see what kind of opportunities and possibilities that living in Colorado and Boulder specifically have to offer. So excited to see what comes out of this experience and this city and the impact that I can not only make on it, um, but also receive and the medicine that is here for me in the mountains. It is such an honor to be out here to take a break from the hot Texas summer and to enjoy this fresh mountain air. So look forward to many more podcasts and for a deeper development of myself as I transform in the mountains here. This podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Accelerator. 
The Athletic Performance Accelerator is my signature elite 90-day mindset transformation program. It is for athletes and performers ready to tap into the potential of their minds, to be able to regulate their nervous system under high-stress performances, and align to the level 99 version of themselves and their ideal character in the world. It's the cultivation of my life's work and what I will be offering in the world for years to come. I'm currently still in the beta phase of the program, and I imagine I will be for the rest of the year. So I'm looking to work with a few more athletes or performers one-on-one for a discounted price of the program and working with me. So if you're interested and this resonates and calls out to you, then go ahead and shoot me a DM on Instagram or reach out to me and we can hop on a call, get to know each other, see if this is the right fit, if I can support you and your goals and the next level of your ability to transform and perform. So I look forward to connecting with you and Without further ado, Anthony Romel. I feel so honored and grateful that we get to have this conversation that you replied to my Instagram message a few months ago um, when I reached out just to have a conversation because I, you know, I just, I love your style. I love the way you show up in the world, your authenticity, and I wanted to touch base. And then you reached back out to me and we were able to have that dialogue. And then when I was in Santa Monica, I had the opportunity to come down to San Diego and actually meet you. So yeah, dude, really, really glad to have you on the podcast and to be having this conversation. So welcome, Anthony Rumel. Thank you, man. It's an honor and privilege to be here with you. And it meant a lot that you reached out. I've met so many great people uh, through that platform. And it's so cool that you made a point, just the old fashioned way to come up in the gym. We had some great fun. We got to hang out. I was watching my kid talk on the phone. So it feels really cool to be here with you again. Uh, Yeah, I'm stoked to jump into some cool topics and some self-discovery and yeah, collaborate on some things that hopefully give some insights for other people who are passionate about the things that we're passionate about or curious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And I definitely feel that there's a lot of magic that's going to come out of this conversation. So just to get started, who are you and what do you do? Who am I? What am I? So, uh, my name is Anthony Rommel, and I love helping people move better. Um, so I'm a corrective exercise specialist by trade. So I started my uh, professional personal training business before I was 20 years old, and I'm 38 and a half, about a little over 30 and a half. So I've been almost 20 years in the game full time for myself. It's been a long road, lots of learning. The journey has taken many twists and turns, but I stayed true to my passion, and I'm so happy I did that. So I pretty much spend my days uh, working with a wide variety of clientele, ranging from ages six years old to late 80s. I work with a lot of older uh, athletes, a lot of older people that are trying to just move better and have less pain and dysfunction in their body. Um, Really love working with people for their posture, their breathing, and just teaching them uh, more holistic ways of movement so it can be more sustainable and efficient for them. So some of us, you know, we're athletes, we love doing cool tricks and the stoke of working towards uh, dreams that we've had working through failure to achieve goals. But there's a lot of people that just don't want to end up like their parents, man. They just want to have less pain, feel good and be able to chase after their grandkids. And I've actually found a way to deeply connect to that and 
quite frankly, it's still one of my favorite demographics to work with is the older demographic. Um, and I have some amazing examples of what's possible when you're between 60 and 80 doing things that I do, handstand, slacklining, surfing, hiking, really, really cool. So that's kind of what I do. I, I do it full time. I live with, I, I'm up early in the morning. I've been doing this for a long time. It just keeps on changing. Now I'm a dad. I've got two younger kids. So I've been just growing my space, the gym where I do all this while raising children with my wife. And it's been a fun journey, man. That's just kind of like a little bit of the, the outside of it, but yeah. Yeah, man. And we're going to be diving deeper into a lot of, a lot of that over the course of this conversation. Um, I feel like what really excites me about the work that you're doing is how you're giving people their power back and you're allowing them to move in their body and feel comfortable in their body, especially as they get older. And we have this stigma, um, especially here in the States that as you get older, your, your health starts to decline. And I feel like you are showing up in a way that you're embodying the alternative and then teaching others the alternative too. And then being able to see folks in their sixties through your, through their eighties doing handstands. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's a great reference point for what you're going to be capable of doing as you get older as well. Yeah. I mean, I just love not having to think about what I want to do before I do it, that freedom, like you're talking about. Um, and what I love about working towards, for instance, some of these gymnastic skills or handstand or some of these goals that, you know, on the outside, they look really cool. They're inspiring. We see someone doing this on Instagram, this or that, but the truth is like, it's such a glorified example of what's possible when the body is properly prepared and the mind and body are in a harmony together. And so for me, that's really the ultimate is helping people self-discover that for themselves, holding the space for them to discover it for themselves. Because for me, uh, I found a way to really use the space of movement and coaching and training to be the ultimate space for helping people achieve transformation. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can achieve transformation in our lives. We can, you know, talk about our feelings. We can complete our past. We can pick up the phone and, you know, make amends with people that we may have done wrong or if had done run us. And that's very powerful, but there's still a physicality that's ever present in our universe. And uh, at the end of the day, it's a physical universe. So whether you like it or not, that's how it works. And being able to work with people physically helps them really uh, develop powerful habits, which they take into all areas of their life. And the joy for me is working with many of my students. I've trained for well over 15 years. I mean, I literally have still to this day, 70% of, original OG students I started with, I've kept um, now because of Instagram and just sharing my passion of my own personal journey, which brought me from martial arts and yoga. We'll get into that into more gymnastics and hand balancing and slackline. I've met a lot of great people and now I'm teaching a ton of this stuff. But at the end of the day, um, you know, building relationships is the most important thing to me and being able to witness people just enjoying the hard work they've put into their movement and into their lives. So yeah, it's a really, it's, it's cool, man. It, it's a lot of work. Sometimes it's very challenging. Sometimes energy gets really heavy. If you're I'm very empathic. So I feel people's energy, um, which has helped me a lot as a coach navigate certain situations. There's always a plan, but then there's no plan. And with that being said, there's also moments that are really heavy and, you know, self-doubt is a really heavy emotion. I face it all the time. Uh, not believing yourself is a very heavy emotion. Um, certain things that bring up 
past uh, insecurities or, you know, I have bad balance, a story around that or other stories, accidents, repatterning, you know, your nervous system after an accident. It's very challenging, but at the end of that, there's always light and without the dark, you don't see the light. So it's been, you know, really cool to have, thank God I found this ability to teach people this stuff and share my experience with them because it's such a perfect blend of, for me, what real movement therapy, all that, it all kind of just gets worked out, you know? So it's like a towel, you just wring it out and then uh, replenish it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love that. And it seems like your approach to movement has probably evolved a lot over the course of when you started being a personal trainer in 1920. Um, yeah. So, so at that time you were training at a bodybuilding gym, right? Yeah, actually, uh, I was a musician growing up, um, really into art and music. And my band broke up towards the end of my junior year in high school. And that was like my full focus. Like I thought I was gonna be a rock star. I was, you know, we, my band was signed to a little independent label. We we're playing a ton. I wrote all the music. It was like full tilt boogie boogie. Um, and things really changed in my life. That focus got cut off and I felt lost. I was looking for something to fill that void. And I, I went to the gym down the street with a good friend who was like, yeah, come catch a workout. I never really thought about working out. Like I wasn't like a crazy athletic kid growing up or a super athlete at all. I was just athletic, played baseball, tennis, like to be in mech spike skate a little bit, but I was never like the better athlete in the group. You know, it was always like that kid that could like 360 flip or do some like crazy trip naturally. And I was just like, man, I wish I could do that, but I'm scared. Um, but the gym, like, I don't know, it really confronted me. You know, I went in there and, and did like an hour and a half of straight biceps curls. <laughs> My buddy, we didn't know anything. And I remember when I got to the gym, I was like, just 16 years old. So I got in my 94 Thunderbird, big old Thunderbird. And like my, my, my nervous system was so overactivated. Like I, my arm was just like twitching. It was a total awe moment. Like I've had a few of them in my life and I'll never forget it, but I loved it. Like I just felt that deep, like uncomfortable connectiveness to something I hadn't felt before. It felt the same feeling I had right before I went on stage with my punk rock group and, you know, played an epic show and just like totally left the practice room. It was just like showtime. And yeah, that that's what kind of started it, man. So I, I quickly like shifted my focus. One thing I've been able to do that's I've had a lot of success with, I've never been like the most uh, talented at anything right away. But once I find something I love, I, I go all in, even in a stupid, in a, like a very like early stage, which has actually helped me a lot. Um, it's hurt me too, but helped me more than hurt me, I think. So I went all in, man. I got actually applied for a job uh, at that same gym and got it. Started working the front desk at the gym. I applied for a job at a supplement store at GNC, started selling supplements, reading all the bodybuilding magazines. You know, I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, his encyclopedia bodybuilding. I was like, oh, you know, this guy's buff. I just like, I was that classic, like, you know, I was only 115 pounds soaking wet, like punk rocker, skater type kid. And I just was fascinated by bodybuilding. I thought the human body was amazing. I thought... The old school bodybuilding look was a beautiful look. A strong masculine look was awesome. Um, it was very artistic for me always, just like music. It was never like about just getting big so I could be buff. Um, and obviously it felt good to get stronger and see that hard work pay off and see you not be able to lift this and Allison lift this. And um, yeah, so I like went all in. I got a job serving food too. So I get discounts on my food. Then I had the trifecta 
for Ultimate Meathead platform. And uh, yeah, free gym membership. A uh, couple of the older guys at the gym took me under their wing, started training me. Um, I got really serious quickly. And even though I didn't uh, have really any muscle in my body, I signed up for my first bodybuilding show within about a year um, and busted my ass and did pretty well. Um, took like second place in an all, uh, national qualifier NPC event. So that was like a big first leap for me since the band because I had so much focus with the band, but then I didn't feel like I had a deep connection to anything after that split up. And bodybuilding really fulfilled that discipline um, that I was looking for at the time. It just gave me something to focus on, something to chip away at every day, like a, like a statue. And yeah, it was hard too. Like, you know, I, I bulked up, I ate a ton of food, you know, like force feeding to pretty much eating eight, eight, 9,000 calories a day for a while. I went from 120 when I started up to 195, um, almost got to 200 pounds, just like chubby and Opalumpa, and then died it down to 148 for my show and was just shredded, like sub 6% legit shredded, not just thrown out numbers like people do. Um, yeah. And that was really the start to it all. That was like, oh, there's something here. Like I freaking dig this. And um, I learned a lot from bodybuilding at that time because it's, you know, you're literally trying to do the opposite thing that nature has designed you to do. You don't get buff and get big at the same time. You either get fat and store energy and you can survive through the winter because you got a big storage of fat or you just starve and eat your muscles fuel because you're out in the desert trying to find water and nutrients and you're just going. So in bodybuilding, you're, you're literally trying to trick your body into burning as much fat while saving as much muscle. So it's a very, uh, I do feel like the mental state you have to learn how to overcome when you're manipulating your body like that is, is very challenging. It's a discipline. I had admire a lot of bodybuilders. I've had a lot of friends over the years, especially in the gym. Um, before I started my gym growing up in the gym, it's just, you know, a lot of mental freaks. It unfortunately is not too healthy for you. So, um, you know, what happened for me is it just wasn't me. Um, I really tried it. I, I, I pushed myself and then, you know, the next steps, all these guys are just doing steroids and taking it to these crazy levels. And I was like, nah, it's not me. And yeah. So like bodybuilding was really like my start to movement. Um, so I did a lot of weightlifting, like classic strength and conditioning. Um, I started my training business right after that show, pretty much just from people saw me get in shape. They really wanted, they were just inspired and wanted to learn, uh, how to get fit too. So I started helping people with the nutrition and all that. I started, you know, focusing on my education and got my first couple certifications. And yeah, I started out my fitness career as an aesthetic based kind of like marketing. That was like, you know, I was always trying to move well, but I didn't have a concept of like, Oh, you know, because of all this muscle, it may slow me down in a, in a real life, you know, movement situation. It was more like the more fit and buff I could look the better. And, um, luckily I had two blessings happen to me. One of them was, uh, the demographic in which I started working with was a lot of families. So, um, I was working with a lot of, uh, parents, like our parents age, pretty much older adults. Um, and then I would work with the kids because it was a twofold sweet spot where I could help the parents stay in great shape. And then the kids, I was young enough and relatable that they totally listened to everything I said. And I kind of became like more of a life coach for the children. Um, and I've raised now like a few generations of kids since, 
you know, like one of my youngest students I've had is now, um, you know, a lot of them have gotten married, but now in his uh, early thirties, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I'm into 40. So I got like three generations of kids now that we've grown up in the gym together. We're still tight. Um, the ones that are still in town, I still see them often, which is like so awesome, man. Just being able to have that place in their life and always be able to be there if they have a you know, phone call to ask me a question about something. But yeah, man, the family dynamic was something that really worked for me. But what it taught me was that, you know, the wellness and functional side of movement was where it was at, because this is like before the whole functional training thing blew up. It was still, it was still like much more just like classic gym, uh, you know, strength and conditioning, bodybuilding style training. Um, so it was a different era. Like foam rollers weren't in gyms. Like I was one of the first trainers in my gym to ever bring in a foam roller. And everyone looked at me like I was a weirdo. Um, but yeah, it, that was kind of where I started. And thanks to that situation, it had me really inquire and get curious about learning more about the functional side of movement. Um, I went back to school and put myself through this uh, professional certificate through UCSD at the time that was you know, like more in class and more in depth for exercise science and physiology and really dove into it. But um, yeah, that was the start, man. And then, then martial arts came in my life. And that was like the ultimate uh, moment that completely shifted the whole journey. And uh, I had kind of realized that I didn't want to compete because the options next were like doing steroids and taking to this crazy level. And I was around those people all the time. That was not me. Um, but I really love the discipline and training hard and working towards a long-term goal, but bodybuilding wasn't it, you know? Um, and I was kind of this like pseudo lost period where I was just building my business and that was great, but it wasn't enough for me. Like I, I was working three part jobs, three part-time jobs before I started my, my personal training business. And within a year I blew it up. Like I went from like, you know, those three-time jobs, like do whatever I could to, you know, just training people all I was doing like 60 sessions a week, man, which is like crazy for private training. Um, and so I was just kind of burning out and needing more balance in my life. And there was a really strong guy I respect at my gym, um, guy named Tom that, um, had been trained jujitsu with my master Fabio Santos, um, who's OG, uh, original, like Gracie lineage lineage, um, in San Diego. And so he had been kind of pushing me to like come try jujitsu which is a martial art. It's based around submission grappling. It's a system of leverage of, of it's like human chests learning how to, you know, it's not about being the biggest opponents about using leverage and timing and technique and, and women can literally just destroy grown men, uh, you know, twice their size if they understand how to use jujitsu. And so I was pretty strong when I came to my jiu-jitsu academy, I ended up kind of putting the guy off a couple of times. And finally, he like called me out one day. He's like, Anthony, when are you going to stop being such a freaking, you know what? And, uh, <laughs> it like, he called me out and I was like, all right, I'm going to go. So I got all pumped up, you know, I was like, thought I was going to hold my own pretty good. I was like 190 at the time, like kind of off season strong, man. I was squatting four, four and seven pounds, uh, benching, like a lot of weight. I was strong, man. And, uh, so I went to my academy uh, to Fabio's and took the class, just the warm up like destroyed me, man. Like it was so humbling, like how tired I was just after the warm up. And then after, you know, our basic, you know, techniques, positional sparring, which are only three minute rounds after positional sparring, we went to five, five minute rounds, which is a lot, but that's like just a standard day. Um, man, after the first round, I was like 
I was done. I had a buddy of mine who's now a black belt, fellow black belt, and has become a professional MMA fighter. He's born with one hand, and I was like 190s, thought I was strong. And this guy was 130 pounds, got around my back and choked me out in less than two minutes. And I was super humble, man. I was like, oh my God, like clearly, like none of this muscle, none of this strength amounted to anything like in a self-defense situation. And it was a huge awe moment for me. Like I, I wasn't like sad and like mad and angry that I lost. It wasn't about that. It was just when I felt literally the air being taken away from me and there's nothing I can do about it. And just the power of, of that moment, I was, I was really taken back. Like I finished the rounds and was just destroyed and I didn't like it. I didn't like the contact. I didn't like sweating next to other guys like that wearing the gi. Uh, it felt super uncomfortable and I hurt everywhere, but I took my ass into Sherry's office, uh, at Fabio's original Academy, the original place and just signed up for the limited membership. I didn't know how it would work out, but I just know it was, I just knew it was what I needed. It was like the lesson I needed. And that really changed my life that moment there, because, uh, you really get to see what really happens in, in, a, in situations when it comes to a self-defense situation. Like, uh, there's a lot of things that people walk around thinking because they're strong or they're a great athlete or they did this in college or whatever. Like none of that really matters when you get taken down and put on the ground and you don't know what to do. And someone else knows what to do. It's very humbling. Um, and you really see like what works in real life. Like what is battle tested? Like how is your mobility? How is your flexibility? How is your cardio? Like, yeah, you can run a mile under six minutes, but can you stay calm in a really heightened situation and have your lungs work the way you want? So I've got, I got really shaken by that moment, like I said, and it had me start this quest of like, what is it to be like a really great athlete? Like I didn't know any better when I was into bodybuilding. I thought that's what it meant to be a good athlete. Like I didn't have, I didn't grow up like a super athlete or have that experience that some of other people have. Like you said, you wrestled before, you know? So it's like, and I didn't have that. I was a musician, artist, and I found the gym. Um, so yeah, like that was really the proving ground for me that had me start diving into other holistic ways and more animalistic ways of moving. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wrestling was it, for, was it for me as well. Um, I was definitely in a position of like bodybuilding, powerlifting, and then starting to see shortly after... Yeah. Yeah. Similar path for sure. And, you know, just shortly in, into that, I saw how it wasn't really all that functional. Like it felt good to be big for a while and and to move all this weight until I just realized how it wasn't helping out my long, long-term health and, and seeing some of the, the guys that were in the bodybuilding gym that were really big and they had a difficult time, even just like yeah, basic daily activities and stuff. Yeah, basic movement from like putting their hands behind their back to yeah. touching their toes. It just like simple stuff that they couldn't even do because they weren't focusing on mobility and they were just trying to move around a bunch of weight. Yeah, I mean, honestly, what's cool is I love bodybuilding. Like it's not like I don't like bodybuilding. Like I didn't leave bodybuilding to go to jiu-jitsu and go, "Oh, screw bodybuilding." Like that's just those guys are losers, dude. Like I have so much respect for hardcore bodybuilders and bodybuilders. I grew up in the trenches with those guys 
And like Flex Wheeler, who's a famous, one of the greatest of all time, I feel like, aside from like Arnold, some of these older guys, like he once was interviewed about his body and he's like, man, I'm the most unfunctional person you've ever met. Like, this is all looks, it's all aesthetics. Everything I do is to win a trophy for looking good on stage, looking like a statue, but that has nothing to do with how I move. And he was always so real about it and see like for bodybuilding, like that is what it's about. It's about aesthetics. It's not about holistic movement, not about like the long term. So that goal just wasn't for me, but I definitely respect people that uh, give their full out uh, focus to anything. Um, as long as not hurting any other people, if they harm themselves by their own things, that's one thing. But as long as you don't hurt any other people, like, man, I'm all about you taking on some hardcore goal. Like who am I to judge uh, bodybuilding better than jujitsu or yoga or gymnastics or hand, whatever it is, you know? So yeah, man, like jujitsu was like the perfect thing at that time too, because like, if you've ever been put in a situation where you have been powerless, where you've been bullied, where you've lost your ability to actually re react in a way that could protect you, have you ever felt restrained? Like a lot of people, they don't want to admit that, but we have been put in those situations. Um, and personally, I had always been a tough kid. Like I would not back down to a fight if I had to defend myself. Like I was kind of more naturally fearless, but there's a couple of situations that we won't get into that, uh, I didn't know what to do, man. Like, and that moment like sticks with you and you either make it mean something and kind of avoid, or you walk through that uncomfortability, that flame, and you learn how to be, become more and not let that past situation affect you. And so for me, jujitsu was really like a bullyproof system for me to really understand and build confidence at the deepest layers of my cellular being. Like knowing that now I've been training jujitsu for 15 years. It took me 11 and a half years to earn my black belt. I never stopped from that first day. Um, I went through a whole process. You know, I competed throughout my entire 20s. Um, and I truly got to know where my maximum thresholds were. And even though that still may not be enough to save my life in any situation, what it gives me is it gives me permission to just be me, to put my guard down and be more relaxed all the time. I, I don't have to prove to anyone anything. If something happens, I'm very well prepared. And to me, that is what martial arts and the martial ways is the lifestyle I live. And even though uh, jujitsu isn't like my main practice this day, I still keep up my skills and train weekly, um, teach, and it's a huge part of my life. But more so for me now, for the mindset and for the person I am and who I who I become when I practice jujitsu, um, that's really what it is for me now. And it, it led me a lot of great things. I found yoga shortly after. I, I was 23 years old when I started training jujitsu. I literally couldn't touch my toes. And people don't believe me. Like I was stuck like here. Like I was, my hips were so tight and I had no conception of head and hips and understanding how to use my core strength. I had all this distal strength and big force producing muscles, but very weak ligaments. Um, I had chronic back pain at 21. I was seeing my chiropractor, who I still see to this day, who's been another huge part of my life. Um, and when I started my coaching business, I was on the gym floor so much, you know, staring down at clients, you know, racking weights, very physical life. Um, you know, I was already experiencing a lot of pain. So jujitsu really 
was that practice that helped me become way more animal-like, you know, like I started to have to focus on my flexibility, learn how to move in these multi-planner, unconventional ways and kind of really discover like what it felt like to become a real athlete. And so that's kind of been my quest, man. And it started with jujitsu and yoga. Yoga was like the same thing jujitsu was for me from bodybuilding. Yoga was for me for my breathing, um, for my flexibility. Like I used to feel trapped in my body before yoga. Even when I started training jujitsu, like I, I, I didn't trust what my body, how my body would react when I got put in a bad position on the mat or whatnot. And uh, one of my black belt instructors underneath Fabio, who is now back in Brazil, but he was in his forties at the time. And I did a lot of privates with him. And when I was competing and stuff, and he was a like diehard Bikram Yogi, like he'd go every day, like, and this guy was in his forties and would crush, annihilate all the younger, strong guys, uh, just from his technique and jujitsu and yoga and his breathing. He swore by the breathing. And so this one Bikram was much more popular. You know, some people have opinions about Bikram because of his personal life, but the series that Bikram comprised that he probably ripped off from other yogis from thousands of years of yoga is an amazing 26 postures. Like it will, it will change your life. Like you have to devote your devote yourself to it. Um, so I started doing that with Alex and it changed my life, man. I, I started doing Bikram like five, six days a week, like anything else. I got into it really intensely. So I was pretty much trained jujitsu and yoga like every day, uh, one or the other, um, from 23 to about 30, 31 or so, um, 30, 31. Like that was like, it was the perfect thing. Like I learned how to surf, surfing, jujitsu, yoga. Uh, it, it really like that kept me in such a great state. I became the opposite guy. I, I stopped lifting weights around 26, not cause I'm against lifting weights. I still coach those modalities and teach a variety of different, you know, kettlebell strength and conditioning movements. Um, but personally, like I started using my body weight and realizing that, wow, like I'm very strong, like, especially when I work on technique and I have way more range of motion and stability through that range. So the mobility I gained really gave me a different level of strength, um, which again was rediscovering parts of my body that I didn't realize were there. Um, and that really like changed my kids are coming home. So I'm going to close the door. Uh, that really changed my, <laughs> you might hear some monkeys come up. <laughs> They're epic. Uh, that really changed like my, my whole like paradigm. So like what I thought was possible. Cause I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you thought the world was, you know, it's like if you thought the world was a certain way and then all of a sudden you realize like, Oh no, that was just me. Like, Oh, so what else is possible? You know what I mean? Like that all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's like, so we all, we all live in these different paradigms, you know, our identities, you know, we attach to certain things that we like or the way we were raised or our environment that we were born in. But the reality is like a lot of us walk around in many cases and have certain beliefs uh, that we believe are like fixed beliefs, you know? And unfortunately many of those beliefs are actually limiting beliefs. And, um, you know, through the practice of jiu-jitsu and yoga, I've got to really develop my relationship with fear, my relationship with my breath, my relationship with learning how to calm myself, especially like out in the surf, like on a bigger day, like how to just relax when the ocean, when the ocean is very powerful. And, and you know, I know you feel me on this because slacklining is all of that too. Um, those practices, like they opened up other parts of you and 
when you start start self-discovering those parts, it's a pretty amazing feeling. So that, that is like around 30, 31, I, I had gone, I was a different guy now, you know, I went from the heavier weightlifting guy that could touch my toes to now a hypermobile, like jujitsu monkey guy. Um, and I mean, I was like really mobile, but the problem was I had done so much yoga and jujitsu and my body was starting to change as an athlete. I started to age as an athlete, um, which is normal. Like, you know, you have injuries. I had a really bad injury in jujitsu in, in a fight that I had where I got my left foot broken, um, at the very end of the fight. I won the fight, which was awesome, but I kind of sacrificed my leg, so to speak. Um, and I'd been working up this bracket all night. You know how it goes with wrestling. It's like single elimination. So you're, it's brutal. You know, you fight one fight, then you, you, if you win, you're in, and then you keep fighting up. And, you know, at the very end of the, the match, I was, I'd almost finished this opponent like three times, but he was tough as nails and he just wouldn't tap. And at the very end, he would drop down for a footlock and footlock me with like 15 seconds left. And I was defending it fine, but he got it. And I just was like, whatever, man, go ahead, break my foot. And yeah, I didn't feel anything at the time because it was just like I was there. Um, but that injury really changed me. It was kind of like, wow, like this is not going to heal quick. Um, and it, it was the first thing that really stopped me. Um, I had a lot of other little injuries, like just fingers, spraying joints, you know, stitches, stuff like that, but never like a broken foot. Um, and I remember getting back to my yoga practice and my, my, my whole left side was just really off because of that foot. And, you know, then it became a knee thing and then ipsilateral, like all to the other side of my body, things started having issues. And, um, at that time I'd done quite a bit of education. I'd been teaching a lot of posture stuff for a while and working with people. So like, it was, it's always kind of weird when you're trying to work on yourself because you try to be a good patient, but at the end of the day, like you still have blind spots as a human. We all have things that we don't know that we don't know about ourselves when, when it comes to our day to day. And the reason why training great is it helps us develop more awareness so we can see, maybe illuminate those areas and then give them focus and then have the results. So I was starting to feel really old in my body, Cameron. I was feeling like, wow, this is what it feels like when people say like, you're getting older. Like I was feeling creaky. I was hypermobile. What had happened was uh, I became more hypermobile. My joints were doing too much yoga, too much jujitsu. I didn't have enough stability. I'd lost a lot of mobility. I was just, uh, other injuries started happening on that left leg, you know, the hamstring tear, the leg got leg locked. It just, that leg got messed up, man. And, you know, I was doing PT and doing everything I could, and it just wasn't getting better to the place where I was like able to really perform. Um, and that's when I found the slack line and gymnastic strength training. I, I had a friend who we started the gym together, um, who was a mentor of mine. He sadly passed away about five years ago, a little over five years ago. Um, who was a great guy in my life. And he was a retired uh, Navy SEAL and BUDS instructor, like just awesome human being, loved teaching all people, like average civilians to the elite. But we had created this space, which is now my gym. And he had all these tools because he just loved learning constantly, studying. You know, he was really into kettlebells and he was the co creator of the Bulgarian bag and some of these. Oh, uh, sick. Yeah, he's really into like sports <clears throat> conditioning. His name is Steven Nabe. Um, he worked with Ivan Ivanov on the Suplice, on the Bulgarian bag, which now you see like on it has their version of it. But like it was the early stages of the dynamic load based strength training days. And Steve was a freaking legend, man. He was a technician. 
Um, just an all around incredible human being who loved helping people. And he had a slack line. He got a little gibbon uh, classic line there because he had seen it. And this was like 2012 ish. And he was super uh, fascinated by it because he realized that we always learn that balance is the foundation of all movement. If you get like your little food pyramid for movement, you always see that balance is there, but who is really training balance? Like people train it, but very weak and meagerly. And now you see, because of the internet, we can see these incredible balance athletes. You see how deep the world of slacklining is. You see how many freaks there are that can literally play with their bodies in time and space and manipulate themselves in the most insane conditions. Thanks to high levels of balance training. So the slack line was there. I found it after a late night of work. I, I got on there like everyone else stumbled across it. My leg was just like going crazy, like twitching. The left side was like, I got woke, man. Like I was literally like totally wired. And you know how it is. You fall a lot. You don't like it. So I sat there till literally like 10, 10 at night, just trying to figure this thing out. And it, it started happening, but it didn't happen the way I wanted to. But I had another odd moment. Like I fell in love with it. I was like, man, I was always like searching for these like truth tools in my journey for movement. Like, uh, you know, like certain movements that no matter how old you are, no matter where you come from, how tall, skinny, fat, disabled, whatever it is, if you do this, you're still going to improve. You're still going to, you know, have the result. You're still going to no matter that to me is what real uh, true tools are, you know, like the real jujitsu, you can teach it to anyone. Someone that doesn't have hip mobility, someone that has hip mobility, it doesn't rely on you being an, an elite athlete, you know, self-defense works when done right. So the slack line to me, like right away, I was like, this is something I, I really enjoyed. And almost immediately I started feeling more connected to my legs, especially on my left side. Um, and I started noticing like the type of soreness I get in my adductors, like just that kind of used feeling of like, my hip rotators, my deep six, like all my pelvic floor muscles, like those are the seat of your soul. You know, they're what actually hold your center. So you can have and create balance as a standing biped on two feet. Your definition of balance is center of gravity over base support or base of supports. But I realized right then and there that this was an area that like, it was like ballet training. Like you see those ballet dancers, how they can literally just leap, uh, you know, six feet up into a split and they're, they're so strong from underneath, like their, their tendons and ligaments. And I was like, man, this, there's something about this tool. And so Steve and I started geeking out on it. You know, this is before he passed, like Steve was in his fifties and I loved it. Cause like, he was like a real meathead, like jacked, like old seal. And like, he would get on there and just laugh like a little kid, man, he'd fall and he'd keep trying. And it was, it was actually some of my favorite memories of us in the gym, along with just, He's a really funny guy. So just watch him all the time. But anyways, yeah. So then I found Instagram. I'd never gone on Instagram. I wasn't a huge social media guy. And that completely changed my life because all of a sudden I started finding like all these athletes and seeing these things and the way people move. And I'd never seen that before. And I was like, holy crap. Like, you know, like I didn't even know you could do what people do on trick lines. I saw like a high line. I was like, oh my God, I want a freaking high line, man. Like, uh, it was like, to me, that just seemed like the most radical goal it just seemed like totally stepping into the unknown, working towards impossible. And at that time I was almost a black belt in jujitsu. I was like 
like a third or fourth degree brown belt. So it goes like white, blue, purple, brown, black. It's a really long system though. It's four degrees per belt, but it takes usually, if you have like a legit old school master, you're not like a prodigy, usually around like 10 years during your black belt. So I was at like year 10, 10 and almost 11 years training at that time. But what I learned from jiu-jitsu at that time is the non-linear process of learning and how to really trust a process and how it takes so much time even when you feel like you're not progressing. Um, so I was, like I said earlier, I was just super curious about like what was possible. I was like, well, I know how to learn this. I can learn anything, man. And I remember having that conversation with myself. I was like, man, I got to give slacklining a try. You know, like I really got to like add it to my daily practice. And then, you know, I started going on Instagram more and see like circus level hand balancers and handstand and all these yogis that were like, you know, Insta famous yogis. But for me, yoga was always about the breath and just moving breath to movement. It was never about like showing off or doing an inversion. Like to me, I always kind of like shied at those people when I saw them in a class because I was like, you know, yoga for me is about breathing for my martial arts. I was much more of like a purist then. Um, But these were the humble beginnings of Anthony Balance and, you know, my journey that I've shared here because that's where the journey started coming online. And um, the short story is I held like my first like headstand in a yoga class and shoulder stand shortly after that. And I felt in that moment of that inversion that, you know, I was like 10 times more present than even after a really deep practice within like a matter of five seconds. And same with the slack on, I was like that present so quickly after being on those tools or in those positions. And though that was, that was like the next uh, moment for me, it was like, I'm going to really apply myself and I want to learn all these things. And yeah, it's, it's been crazy, but literally I created my Instagram is only a training journal. Like I didn't care about followers. I didn't care about, uh, you know, how many likes, like, yeah, it's nice to see people give you applause for working hard, but, uh, there's a reason why I have like over 4,000 plus posts. It's because I literally share, I've shared my training on there for like the last six plus years, like pretty much every day. And if you take the time and you scroll back on my journey, you will see literally the creation of all the things that you see today, uh, day after day. And it just kind of kept evolving. And, you know, it started with gymnastics, strength training. I saw the calisthenics guys, the bar guys, I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. I want to learn how to do a planche. I want to learn how to do a muscle up. I want to learn how to do, you know, a back lever and all that. And then I saw the handstand and I was like, wow, that's magical. It's artistic. And so for me now, like movement is an expression of just creativity and it allows me to still play the way I like to play as I age. So I'm getting closer to 40 now and I now I'm a father, but because of the time I've put into my practices, like I've never felt better in, in my life. And obviously I've been on a, on a run right now, but that's kind of like really where we're at now, Cameron, like, uh, you know, I'm still training, sharing my training journey. I've gotten more clear on what my realms are in my training practices. But for me, I fell in love with slacklining, gymnastic strength training to keep my body healthy and balanced, handstand, specifically hand balancing with a focus on one arm handstand, because I really just think it's the most beautiful artistic expression of like human art. I think it's just for me, it it lights up my brain. It's just so impossible that I'm going to keep working that till I can't. Yeah. And that's kind of like, and then just flexibility and just uh, sharing my experience with my students in a variety of different 
areas. And yeah, man, it's pretty cool. I love what I do. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing your story, man, with just the depth that you did. And I see that the common theme across your whole evolution has been consistency and just continuing to show up. Um, yep. and, and from there, it seems like you're able to create these, these habits that allow you to show up rain or shine. It doesn't matter because you've just instilled consistency across the board. You got me, man. No secrets. Yeah. So, uh, you know, bodybuilding was the start of those habits. Um, jujitsu really taught me how, so before jujitsu, I was never really that great at working at things I didn't like. I was really good at working hard at things that I liked, but I struggled with working at things that I didn't like. Jujitsu gave me a superpower. It really took that discipline to a level where I could work on all the things that I didn't like that I wasn't comfortable doing and allowed me to really build that muscle. So a lot of times discipline has a really, uh, it, the words taken out of context. A lot of people get scared by it because they look at it as like a bad thing or like a, uh, it's not fun, but discipline really gives you access to your dreams and it's a muscle, just like how we tear down muscles and we grow them back every day. It starts with your word. So discipline is your word. How you relate to yourself is nothing but a, a byproduct of your word. So when I say that I'm going to do this podcast to you, like I'm going to do it because that's my word to myself. That's my word to you. And if I don't have my word to myself, I don't have anything. And discipline is a byproduct of your word. So what people don't get is, uh, you know, when you commit yourself to a large long-term goal, a goal that really scares the living crap out of you, even if you don't know how you're going to get there, because that end result is just, it's just not really what it's about. You know, it's cliche, but it's about the journey. But the discipline is really the glue, the substance that's going to allow you to cultivate and create and lay down each brick every day and build confidence in your word. And so for me, I really focus on the game of my word. Um, you know, it starts with all the littlest things in my day. And literally, how well do I do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it? And think about that one for a second. I mean, think about everything you had to do today. How many things that you said you were going to do that you did and how many that you didn't. The gap between what you said you're going to do and what you didn't do that you said you're going to do. That's where most people are missing their power. And that's the game that I'm trying to play full out every day with myself, because guess what? We're all freaking human, man. We all don't want to always keep our word all the time. We all don't want to show up all the time. You think I want to train on my hands as much as I do or show up to my gym every day? You think I feel like doing all those things all the time? Hell no. Like I've trained myself to enjoy the process of sticking to my word, but my feelings and my actions usually are two different realms. So it's, it takes time, but it usually takes over 260 ish days to create like a new habit. Like they argue about it, but the reality is it takes a long ass time. You can start by building new habits like sooner. Definitely. You can have a lot of breakthroughs, but when you can learn how to build a more powerful relationship with your word and start with the little things and slowly build up your own confidence with 
your ability to do what you say you're going to do when you said you're going to do it. And if you can't do it, that's okay. You're human. Guess what you can do? You can recommit to doing it another time that you say you're going to do it and then do it there. And so I'm superhuman, man. Uh, just like you're superhuman. Uh, sometimes when we fall in love with things, we kind of do this also automatically because we love it so much that it's like, Oh, no big deal. Like we just find a way. But for me, the discipline of sticking to doing a little something every day, no matter where I am and visualizing within the realm that I'm trying to work on, whether it be handstand or slack line or business or my relationship or relationships, you don't always have to just like go to the gym and work hard and, and train. Like you can train in your mind. It's all your mind anyway. So I play a few different games for myself, but the main game is I always stay aware of where I am in my practices. You know, like it's not a matter of measuring, like, am I doing good or bad? It's not it. It's a matter of measuring how well am I showing up when I show up? How good is my show up? Like, how are my checks and balances? Like, Am I not looking forward to my training? Am I already dreading it before it happens? Or am I not looking for that meeting before it happens? Like, how can I always give me indications on what I may need to do in the back end of my life to keep my balance, Anthony balance, pun intended, man. It's not about balance, just balance. Anthony balances, lifestyle, mindset, jujitsu mindset, slack line mindset. It's all the same stuff. Um, but the practices give us awareness the awareness gives us a window. The window gives us a way to take a look at ourselves, like I said, that we otherwise wouldn't be able to see because it may be a blind spot. And when we see what we need to see at the very end of all of that, like I started off with our conversation, the most important aspect of all of this is action. Without action, nothing happens. It's all talk. Like, it's great. I mean, how many books have you read? Self-empowerment books. How many workshops have I done? I spent a lot of time in transformational workshops. and there's people that go on to build multi-million dollar companies or live their dreams. And there's people that are still just talking about it where the tire meets the pavement is your action. And so what I always try and focus on is strengthening the discipline of showing up and then improving my show up slowly, but surely and learning how to celebrate the little victories within those struggles. And for me, that's been a really simple way to learn a lot of things um, that otherwise most people would focus on independently. Like one could consider me only to be a slackliner, only to be a jujitsu guy, or only to be a yogi, or only to be a handstand guy, or only to be, I'm not any of those guys. I'm just me. And I love the quest of seeing the similarities in a variety of different disciplines and learning how to become proficient and very comfortable, um, in all those disciplines and then keep them up. Like, I'm training like over five different disciplines pretty regularly at a decent level, keep them up and then slowly let them grow over a longer period of time. So for me, I don't care if it takes me 10 or 15 years to get to my goals with handstand. One arm handstand is just like jujitsu. It's like 10 years to get to the beginning. And then you actually know what the fuck you're doing. And then you actually know where to start. So that approach has really helped me a lot. And I love sharing with people because um, like, it's honestly been such a huge thing for me in my life and, and so many areas just showing up and first building the habit of developing that muscle to get yourself out of bed, to make your bed, to get yourself presentable, to go where you got to go. And then 
after you show up, you get your result of how that went. How did it go? Reflect on that. Improve that show up. How can you improve that show up? Well, I could have gone to bed earlier. I could have drunk more water and been more hydrated and eaten healthier the day before. So I have more energy. Um, I could have been more prepared for that meeting. I could do my research, my R and D. Um, and most importantly, like I really actively practice within all that, like trying to be not so hard on myself. Like, I feel like we're always so freaking hard on ourselves when we don't get something right away. Like, you know, uh, take it easy. Like give yourself a pat on the back once in a time, you know, life is hard, unpredictable, cruel, and unusual, uh, many times. And anyone that doesn't tell you that that's not really true. You know, not, life's not easy. So yeah, man. Um, those are like a few little basic takeaways. We got some time to dive into. I got to around four thirty, so we can. Yeah. Dive so into more. I would, I would love I'd to love hear. To yeah how self-doubt comes up for you and what that looks like? God, it's a great question. So self-doubt is a big one for me, man. Um, I have this ability now where like, even when, um, even when I've worked at something, I've gotten pretty proficient at a skill or something I'm doing, like there's days, and this came up a lot when I was competing in jiu-jitsu, just like any type of competitive moment. Um, there's days where I'm just on fire, like, I may not feel like that, but like I could just get in the zone, send it. And it's like, man, that feeling, I wish it could last forever. That pure, you know, like singular moment where I can just completely, I have unlimited confidence. And then it can even be the next day, man. I'll go back to the same type of thing for handstand or for slack line. And so much fear is present, like deep fear. It's crazy. Even in something I've done a lot, like, and I deal with self-doubt a lot, man. Um, it's more the way I relate to my self-talk now has changed. So my noise, my brain is always really noisy. Like it's always, you know, we're just chatter machines, whether you realize or not, like our brains are designed for survival. We're totally wired to survive. That's what we are. We're meaning making uh, survival machines. And we're constantly assessing situations to survive. And it's not a bad thing. It's just how we're wired. Um, even basic ass things like, you know, which hand are you going to use to wipe your ass? Like in the morning, that's survival, like everything, it comes down to survival. So sometimes the noise gets really loud in the head. And that usually is a byproduct of me not going to bed early enough, me not eating well, or me just overworking myself or, um, having stress from another area of my life that's out of my control, but learning to be aware of my self-talk and look at the structures. So I meditate every day, uh, before I, go to the gym. I start really, really like five or 6 a.m. I get up at three, always like three, three fifteen. So I have almost two hours to myself every day. The reason why I do that, Cameron, is because for me to show up the way I need to show up in the world, to not have self-doubt, to not have fear be riding at the front of it, like I need to be centered. So, you know, I wake up, I meditate right away when I wake up, uh, you know, I do my business, I prepare for my day, I go through all my tasks, I visualize how I want my day to go. I get in my sauna. I have a bunch of virtual students all over the world for handstand and gymnastics coaching. So I, I answer feedback for all their videos. They send me for about 40 minutes before I open my gym at five or 6 a.m. Um, and by the time I open my gym, like I am so connected to me, like who I'm committed to being in the world, my why, um, that even on days where I'm feeling the impact of just being tired and not, can I do this today? Like, am I going to be able to show up to my training? Like it just helps me override that because of that muscle. So 
that kind of ties in with discipline is you're going to have a lot of days where you don't feel like doing something where you really doubt yourself, where you're really scared, um, or you may be feeling really just sad. Some days I've had a lot of loss in my life in the last few years, people like my friend, Steve, who passed away suddenly and just some really sad things have happened. And guess what? The beautiful thing about being a human being is we get to choose how we react to a situation. So when I notice that my self-talk is loud and negative, uh, instead of making that mean something, um, and sometimes it's so loud that I can't differentiate that. So I still make it mean something and then I have a breakdown, but I, I work that out. Uh, I notice that and I do something to help me clear myself, you know? So for me, it may be just taking a walk, um, just taking a break from the working task I'm doing and going to get a glass of water, drinking more water. Um, but being aware of my self-talk really helps me control, uh, my emotions, uh, and focusing on my breathing, you know, like if I'm not breathing calmly, it means that something's, there's, there's a source of anxiety. Um, so I've had a lot of success with kind of like using my structures every day. There's certain things I do every day that I do for a reason because they allow me to keep self-doubt at bay. Um, and most importantly too, connecting and talking to people is a huge one. Like sometimes I just pick up the phone and I call up a close friend who I can trust and I talk to him about my stuff. You know, I think a lot of guys, it's not manly to talk about your feelings or whatnot. Like sometimes in the masculine role, uh, we don't get a chance to talk about our feelings, but it's really important we talk about our feelings and whether it be hiring a professional to talk to, uh, booking in, uh, you know, like a play date with a friend, you know, now being a dad, you know, hang out with other dads, you got kids and, you know, we can have like-minded conversations. If you're a dog owner, there's people at the dog park all the time, but connecting with other humans is a huge way to work on the whole aspect of self-doubt, feeling alone, feeling like this is only happening to you. Um, and I use those tools a lot. Um, this is a great way of doing it too. Like being able to share myself, uh, with you here and just flow and not have any, just be able to talk and like, how rare do I just get to like, do it like that? You know what I mean? Like sharing, uh, being vulnerable with yourself, like vulnerability is a, a great, uh, display of strength and character and people can truly be vulnerable. Um, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what people think. If you try and override self-doubt with pretending like everything's fine, muscling through strong suiting it, um, you're just going to get more. Hey, Murray. You're just going to get more. Uh, my dog's here. Say hi, Murray. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Self-doubt is a pain, man. But it's 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 a daily practice. I guess what I'm trying to say is I work on myself every day. There's no off days. And um, it's not like I wake up and I'm like, I work on myself. Oh, no, it's just I'm aware. I, I talk to my wife. Uh, my wife and I also have like a woman we see not because we're having problems because we want to always see someone to work on our marriage, to work on other areas of our lives. Like you have prehab to as opposed to rehab, right? Yeah. What's up? Prehab with the relationship as opposed to rehab with the relationship. Yeah, man. But it's exactly it's what it is, is we go through life and life moves fast and we either go through life with a big bag and collect a bunch of shit from our past that we keep dragging through that we make mean stuff. And as we make meaning and time goes by, those meanings become more and more and more. Those meanings become limiting beliefs. They become fears. They hold us back from really loving 
ourselves, loving others. And a lot of us get numb. And when you can, you know, put it out there and work on yourself, um, maybe go talk to someone you haven't talked to, have a conversation that's a little more vulnerable about something you're dealing with, allows you to get really complete with where you're at. And again, it's just another form of awareness. The more awareness you have, the more access you have to making a change. And the beautiful thing about being human is we can choose that change. Uh, you know, anytime you can literally wake up and change your life that day, it starts, it starts that day. Like there is no past, there is no future. It's really the present moment. People don't want to believe that, but your future is created by what you're doing right now. The past, it doesn't exist. So if you keep on operating from your past and how you wound up being through life, dragging that suitcase of all that stuff, making current choices based off all that stuff, you're going to end up getting what? A future filled with just the same. So what I try and focus on is I'm human. That's going to probably happen anyways. But if I create structures like meditation, uh, healthy living, uh, good quality conversations, have boundaries around technology, um, exercise regularly, those things really help me feel good about myself. They make me feel like I'm in the game. And, you know, doing those things that you know you should be doing for yourself, like get off your ass and fucking take care of yourself. Most people are very smart. They know exactly what they should be doing. They know they shouldn't be smoking. They know they shouldn't be doing this or that, but we keep doing it. And so at the end of the day, you kind of have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, like, you know, how do I really want to live my life? Because life isn't permanent, man. People walk around like they got all these extra free days of life and there's no guarantees. So, you know, train like it's your last day, live your life. Like it's your last day, not in a corny way, but in a meaningful way. And I think you'll start relating to things from a different place because you'll be more appreciative, focusing more on gratitude versus on the problems. Um, so that's how I kill self-doubt. As I yeah. Do. So gratitude what, always works for me, man. Gratitude's like my go-to, uh, any, any negative brain pattern, self-doubt, fear, da, da, da. If I start focusing on my gratitude list or like, just like how lucky I am to even have the time and space to be here on the podcast with you, like all that stuff goes away, you know? Yeah. The more attention you pay to the gratitude the more things you have to be grateful for and the more that those types of things will come your way right 100 percent. yeah yeah it's like this this beautiful cycle that just by it's bringing a frequency, man. yeah it's a frequency it's like you attract who you are again it's a physical universe the universe doesn't lie energy doesn't lie man so when you see someone who has great energy like that's because something's working when you see someone that's not really honest or, you know, they have that, uh, what is it? Japanese guy that froze all the different emotions in water, like love, hate, fear. Uh, and you can see the articulation of these crystals in water from different vibrations. It was so radical, man. Um, yeah. And love, love was super beautiful. Right. And then yeah. like, like the hate and the fear that he spoke to the water, like the, the crystals were all distorted and messed yeah. up looking. Yep. It really is unbelievable. And we're, if we're, if we're all made out of water, just think about how that negative vibe that you're festering about, you know, like Buddha said, it's like resentment's like drinking the poison and expecting someone else to die. And, you know, if you're carrying that around or carrying around doubt and fear, like you have to work at it to get that out of you. Cause it's not good for you. 
And if you're in a relationship that's not serving you, a business relationship's not serving you, um, got to make a change, man. You know, you don't want to live like that. That's why we have disease and, you know, people having issues in their marriages and things like that. All these things, it's real talk, man. And the training is, is a part of practicing that level of integrity with yourself, that level of your word. Like, I really want to run a marathon. Well, that's great. What are you going to do about it? All right. What are you going to do? What are the steps you're going to do to actually make that come to fruition? Um, I want to hold a handstand, you know, a nice, clean, straight circus handstand, 60 seconds. Well, you're going to spend a lot of time doing grunt work on the wall. You're going to be doing all types of weird drills that you've never done before. You spend how little time on your actual hands. You spend the rest of your day walking on your feet. So those type of things, like those goals are very good physical ways to practice these techniques and to focus your energy on structures that are going to serve you for a better life for sure. Yeah, 100%, man. So I know we only have a little bit of time. I would love to hear your insight on raising kids and fatherhood. <laughs> man, I love I love being a dad. It's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done and challenges me in, on the deepest levels, but the love is so real. And yeah, I feel like uh, after we had my daughter, Viva, who's now almost five, my heart just exploded, man. Like it is a man, like my heart just reopened. Like I, I, I really found what true love was again. Um, not that I'd lost it, but I'd gone through some, some challenging things in relationships before I met my wife, um, some long-term relationship I had. And it's just part of growing up, growing pains. Um, you know, you grow up with certain standards and ideals when you're younger and then you get a little older and reality hits and it's heartbreak is, is a hard thing, man. And, uh, when my daughter came, it was a true testament to that. That love has never left me. It's, it's there more than ever. And just how much I love just people in life. When you see life being created, it really is the biggest miracle, man. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. You know, if, if you don't feel like having kids, it's awesome. Like freaking you'll have way more time. You'll travel, you do so many cool things too. So it's like, it's not like having kids is the only way. Um, but for me, I always knew that I want to have kids and, um, thank God I met the woman of my dreams. My wife is just such an incredible mom. She's such a hardworking person. And it's really been awesome being in this road together. Um, but yeah, they're definitely the ultimate teachers. So like you get so clear about how you really show up around your kids because kids are the ultimate truth tellers. They, they sniff out inauthenticity they do not listen to what you say. They listen to what you do. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been learning so much from my kids. So aside from being like a corrective exercise guy, watching my kids learn how to walk, that's a really fun process too, because they'll teach you how to move really well too. But just the way they look at the world, the way that they learn and how fast they learn because of how open they are, how present they are, because they don't have the past like we talked about. They don't have that big luggage of shit they're carrying around that's keeping them from trying things when they don't figure something out. They usually try it like hundred times more than we ever try as an adult. And therefore they learn much faster and also just their natural enthusiasm for the most simple things is something that I've come to just fall in love with. Like right now when we're done, I'll come downstairs. They've already been screaming, screaming my name for like 10 or 15 minutes. Cause the second day I get home, they're so stoked to see me. Like they just want to see me. They're just such loving kids, man. And kids are so loving. Like 
when you see like young kids hanging out in the park in general with other young kids that don't know each other, it doesn't matter if the young kids, Asian, black, Mexican, whatever race, like they just go up and they're together and they start talking, they start playing. And this is a, these younger years right now is like such a, uh, it honestly is the area where I like to spend most of my life. I get up early and start early at my gym so I can finish most days aside from Monday where I do a full day at my gym, the rest of the days I finish at 11 or noon. Um, so I kind of get a full day in before that. And that's so I can be at home with my kids and raise my kids. And um, yeah, it's, it's the best thing I do because when I'm in that space, it's such a great space that, that innocence. Um, and it's such a reminder of, you know, how we can always access that inner child within us if we're open to it. And so I think that's been like a huge thing for me is my kids not only motivate me to want to be the best man I can, the best father I can, the best husband I can, um, but they really like illuminate the areas in which I want to grow so I can have that enthusiasm for life as I get older, because nothing is more of a turn on to me when you meet someone in their seventies or eighties and they're still full of life, piss and vinegar. And they look you in the eye. And even though you could tell their bodies are tired, they may be suffering from health things. They're, they're mentally present. And the present, that presence that kids have is contagious. It really is like energy doesn't lie. It's super contagious. So yeah, man, that's kind of like quick lowdown on being a dad. It's, it's a lot of work, but the work is super rewarding. Like my capacity has grown so much since becoming a dad. Um, you know, like no days are ideal for my training. Uh, I had a lot of friends when I first started having kids, they're like, Oh, we'll see how your training is. And I have achieved more in my last almost five years of being a dad with my physical goals than I ever have in my entire life, even before kids. So it's totally possible. You just have to uh, be creative and, and sometimes lower your expectations. And um, yeah, I've just had to be more, more mobile with my mindset. Um, you, you can't be too fixed on the way things are because if your kid needs a nap or a diaper needs to be changed or you got to take them on a walk to, to ease their discomfort. That's what you're doing. So yeah, that's kind of been the flow. It's really fun with the movement world and the life I've created because I feel like sharing movement with them is such a gift. Um, they get to come to the gym and play all the time and, you know, kids are natural movers. So doing all the stuff I do around the house, they love, they love seeing it and doing it with me. And yeah, it's going to be fun to see how it wears off on them. Like I don't need my kids to end up being like me if they really fall in love with movement, which I think they will. That's amazing. Um, they'll have a great example of what a healthy home is, uh, being respectful. They've witnessed thousands of hours of training already. At least my daughter has, I train at least seven to nine hours in the house around them a week. Um, so for me, it's like, I just want them to be passionate about something and just know that if you put your mind and your heart and you work hard towards something, you can achieve anything. And, uh, I love the movement thing because they get to kind of be with me on my journey and we get to share that together. And, you know, I'll share that with them too one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. There's so much there. And it seems like, you know, the kids are really showing you how to be adaptable. And when Hell yeah. you were in a position of not having kids and having all your time and still training, you know, 
I'm sure it was great. You were still making progression, but now you're in a position where you don't have all your time and you have to be adaptable. And it almost makes your training better because you're getting really clear as to like, what's the most important thing that I can work on that will allow me to progress. And then honing in on that. Yeah, man, dude, you are a wise guy. I love talking to you because you so get it, man. Like the one thing, if I could tell you guys, people who don't have children yet versus people who have children is like, I realized how much time I actually just sat around and wasted not wasted. I have no regrets about this, but like, man, like you learn how to get so much more efficient when you are living your life for two other mouths that you feed. It's like, it's not about me anymore. Like it needs to be about me. Cause I have to take care of myself to take care of others. I have to put on my life, uh, my life mask, you know, like on the plane before I help others for my oxygen. But the reality is my appreciate me. I'm so appreciative of the time I have now. And I really make the most of it. And sometimes that comes down to me getting an hour and a half of handstand practice in three different little mini sessions. Like it's so unideal sometimes, but the cool thing is I'm doing it, man. It's really, it's, I'm, I'm getting what I need to get done. Um, I'm really living a lifestyle that I'm proud of that I work hard to maintain. And, and I lead by example in my house and my business, uh, at the gym. Um, and if I ever needed a rest day, I take it. I'm human. If I have a hard day, you know, talk to someone that I care about that list that can listen to me because we're all human. And I think the challenge too, is we're always so wrapped up in human doing human doing, you know, it is a physical universe. We got to do, we got to take action. But, um, some of the other things that I've learned, uh, to get better at in my thirties is learning how to relax more, uh, learning how to like, not just eat super clean all the time. Like go get a burger once in a while. Like after this podcast, I'm going to go get a double IPA and just chill, have a beer. Like that's part of life, like balance. It's not just about one way. Anytime you get dogmatic about one area of your life or, you know, like, like I respect anyone that doesn't want to eat meat or someone that doesn't want this, but you can't project that on everyone else. Like there's a balance for all of us and it changes every 10 years. The way you look at things changes every five years, every day, you just don't notice them. But uh, when you change the way you look at things, they'll quote the things you look at change. So um, kids definitely get me to look at things from a different perspective. Cause now I'm like, well, if I say this, like it could be, they don't have the context that I have or you have, they don't have those tools. So it really, it really makes you watch your language um, and not just bad language. I mean, like the way you actually speak um, part of being a coach, when I ask people questions about their movement um, and about different parts of their life, when we're talking about, you know, the areas behind their life that are keeping them from taking the action, like we talked about from, getting these habits into, into reality is a lot of us talk in a very like negative way towards ourselves or in general. Um, you know, we speak in a way that's disempowering to ourselves or to others. Um, when you have kids, you get really clear on how your language is being received and the type of language we are using in the house. Um, everything we create as humans, like I said, we're based off survival. It's created through language. Language gives us meaning, but a lot of things actually don't really mean what they are. It's more of the world that we've created around the meaning. We agree that uh, a fork's a fork. It's not really a fork. We just all agree it's a fork, but it's really not a fork. Uh, a diamond, you know, we agree that that is a beautiful stone that is worthy of a testament for uh, for someone's love, but a diamond's a worthless stone. That's a world agreement. So, like, Language is super important. Um, and so I've been really aware now as being a dad, it's just like the type of language I use. Obviously, I make mistakes and 
sometimes drop a swear word or say something I don't mean. Um, but having that influence around me really motivates me to like, you know, think first before I say something or, uh, come from a place of kindness and respect because kids really feel what you're saying. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do, man. And I can feel the way that you're present with your kids and the way that you've been present with this conversation and just how much you care, man. Um, and, and the heart that you have, I, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really grateful. We had the opportunity to drop in the last question I have. Um, and this was something that I wanted to ask earlier, but we were riffing. Um, so for me, I created this podcast, specifically the line to mastery, because it was my own process of self mastery in becoming someone that could articulate themselves, hold conversations, have podcasts. Mm. Um, do you, do you feel like your Instagram handle, Anthony balance, you created that at a time when you felt like you needed more balance within your life. And that was something you were striving towards. No, it's a great question. You know, I honestly created Anthony Balance and went on Instagram because I needed accountability. Like, even though I'm a coach, like I actually, the last couple of years, hired coaches for my own practices too. Um, but my Instagram page is literally my training journal and a way for me to meet like-minded individuals and share myself authentically. My real life, you'll just see, I just post stories of like my real life training every day. It's just what I do. And it's kind of like my highlight reel for my training so I can look back and document my process. So that's really why I started it. It became an amazing place to meet awesome human beings like you. And I've made some of my closest, like real life, newer friends, like in real life through Instagram, um, which is so cool because so many people have a negative connotation around or negative reaction around social media. But the great thing about social media is you have a choice of how you want to use technology. So for me, I get to be the master, not the slave. And I think a lot of people have a limiting uh, belief and they kind of get overwhelmed by the world of social media. But the truth is just do you share yourself the way you feel like you want to share yourself. Um, I don't ever feel like I need a break from social media because I'm not trying to be anything I'm not on social media. So it doesn't take for me. It actually boosts me up. I get stoked. I have to like give myself boundaries on it. So I don't get too pumped, like seeing that dude throw a double backflip on a slack line or whatever, at like hmm. 11 at night. Um, but yeah, Instagram for me was really more of an accountability space because when you put your word out in reality and you declare to the world that I'm going to do this, I'm going to hold a one-arm handstand, I'm going to earn my black nose jiu-jitsu, I'm going to do this. Like that's really playing the game full out. Now you've put it out in the world. And when you live into that future through daily action, practicing your discipline muscles, putting it all together, that for me is what my Instagram page is about. So hopefully for those of you who've been listening to this flow, now you'll kind of get more of an idea of why I use uh, social media the way I use it. And you'll see like, Oh, that's why it always says training log. Yeah. It's my training log. <laughs> that's what I, that's it. And then I have a lot of people like, they want me to put all these free tutorials and all this stuff. And I teach everything I do like virtually and everything. Like I'm not a fan of, of trying to give one size fits all crappy freemium products and do what everyone else is doing. Like I've been teaching for almost 20 years. I spent a lot of time in education. I spent a lot of time in my practices if people really want to learn from me, like they reach out, they DM and they become my student and we create an amazing coaching relationship. And I'm totally open to doing that. But my training journal for Anthony balance will always just be a training journal. Um, eventually, you know, when I create some more virtual product and stuff, I may have some links to that stuff, but it will always be the real deal. Just my journey from start to finish. If it ever finishes. Um, yeah, man, 
that's pretty much it. Man, well, thank you so much for your time, um, for being an yeah. inspiration and a beautiful role model of what it looks like to show up as an authentic man. I appreciate you. Um, really grateful for this conversation. Excited to listen to it again. And yeah, me point, too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna come out to San Diego but, yeah. and uh, spend like three months out there and train with you and just work on my movement. So, dude, you're you have a home anytime at Center for Balance Training, man. We'd love to have you out there. You're and you're such a well-rounded guy, man. It was really nice meeting you in person, Cameron. Yeah. Can't wait to do it again. Much love, bro. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. Much love, bro. Yeah. We'll see you soon, dude. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Line to Mastery. Thank you, Anthony, for coming on. I love you so much, man. I am so excited to continue to grow, train, and evolve with you for many years to come. And to those of you listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You could have tapped into anything right now and you chose this. So thank you for your energy and your presence in this conversation with Anthony and I. If you connected with it, send it to a friend, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if the Athletic Performance Accelerator calls out to you, shoot me a DM and let's have a conversation. Until then, much love.